Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show. I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And, you know, it's it's really been a chaotic real estate year. We've got record low inventory. We have all these new policies and procedures. We have real estate being affected by the CDC. Mike, did you ever think in a million years we would have a huge impact on the real estate market by the Centers for Disease Control? Who, who, who would have thought, right? But uh, after after last year and everything we've gone through, I no longer say, um, you know, I've, I've heard it all in life because uh, so many things that I never thought would happen have happened in the past, uh, you know, 18 months or so. So the CDC is involved in the real estate business. And what's happened in the last year is that they've put up eviction moratoriums to protect people from being evicted because they can't get work or their income has been reduced or there's been an economic downturn because of COVID. Now, I'm not here to talk about the pros and cons over the eviction moratorium. There are many. I mean, we could have a whole show arguing about what should or shouldn't have happened when COVID happened related to the eviction moratorium. But what I want to talk about next is the fear that people have about the eviction moratorium's impact on the real estate market. So, and I want to address it locally. And, and here's what I mean by this, okay? Um, real estate is hyper-local. What happens in California and New York um, doesn't have an enormous impact here. It certainly could move people here, vice versa. But, but ultimately, real estate is, is a very local enterprise. What happens in Tampa stays in Tampa. It's really kind of the easiest way to... Uh, describe it. So when you're in the real estate market that we're in and you have this eviction moratorium, what has happened is all of these tenants that have um, not been paying rent. And the reality is, is there's not nearly as many of them as people think, but but let's just say that, that, that it's a, a, a large number of people not paying rent and not able to be evicted because of the CDC's eviction moratorium that trumps all of the local and state laws regarding evictions. So people just get to continue living for free in some of these homes. And so the reality is that um, people are afraid that as soon as that is lifted and people start getting booted from the houses, um, that it's going to have a trickle down negative impact on real estate. And there's gonna be all these homes hit the market and all these homes hit the rental market. Well, let me kind of dispel that for a second. So. First and foremost, we've never seen the population growth that we've had. I, I, I think I saw the other day, Mike, it was like five to one, five gains to one loss in Florida um, in terms of population. So what's happening is, is for every one of these tenants that might get ousted, there are five people standing in line for that rental property. There is such a surplus of people moving here, wanting to buy and wanting to rent that all of these eviction properties that might go on the market, that might become available, will be gobbled up so fast, the market needs them. So there are not enough of those out there that are going to cause a, a tip of the supply and demand curve uh, in Tampa. It would need to be, and this is, this is the exact truth, there would need to be a 600% increase in the number of homes on the market just to return us to a balanced real estate market. There aren't enough rental properties not being um, paid for to rebound the market with that much inventory that would take us from a seller's market to a buyer's market. So 
our market has such light inventory that any inventory created by landlords getting these homes back and moving people out, if they simply choose to sell them, because plenty of them will just re-rent the properties, right. um, it, it, there's not enough of them. Our real estate market is way too healthy and way too light on inventory to, to have that needle be moved in a direction that will harm our values, that will harm our real estate market. That inventory will get gobbled up. It'll help our real estate market. It'll keep it moving forward. It'll keep buyers engaged. It'll help more people find homes. There are homes right now that get 50 offers on them. Only one person can buy it. 49 are missing out. Some of these eviction moratorium properties that hit the market will get gobbled up by those people that are missing out on other homes. Yep, you're exactly right. And it's going to be the opposite of what everybody thinks, right? If there was that additional inventory that did come into the market because of that, it would actually help our market um, worse than, than hurt it because of such a, a lack of inventory. Yeah. And I, I think that the the reality is that people don't realize the amount of demand for housing out there in Florida with in addition to obviously there will be a lot of these homes that come up, but there'll be plenty of owners that just simply re-rent them. First off, the capital gains rates are going up. If they try and sell them now, they got to fix them up and sell them. They may not get them sold by the end of the year. So then they pay a higher cap gain rate. So a lot of landlords are simply going to kick the can down the road and say, no, I'm just going to keep renting it. I don't want to take the gain and then pay a higher tax. So I don't need the income. Let me just keep renting it. In that case, it doesn't trickle down into the for sale market. Um, but there's just so much pent up demand between buyers and renters and people moving here that 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 an, a, even a drastic increase in supply which we're not going to see six, 700% increase in the number of available homes for sale. We're just not going to, it'll take years before that happens. Um, even that wouldn't be enough to tip the scale. Yep. And, and so anyone out there concerned about what's going to happen with the moratorium in Florida, I want to repeat this in Florida, in Tampa Bay, negligible impact on values. I mean, it'll create more sales. It'll create some much needed inventory for buyers, but it's not going to have a negative impact. Now, does that, will that necessarily be the case in California or New York or Michigan or Chicago? It remains to be seen. It could be more impactful there than it is here because those areas are losing population while we are gaining people moving to the sunshine state. And that isn't going to, that's not going to stop anytime soon. So, so anyone out there concerned about it? shelve those concerns. It's not impacting our real estate market. And even if it were to impact other parts of the country's real estate market, guess what those investors are going to do? They're going to move to Florida. <laughs> you know right. I mean? It's just, it's just the reality of it. Our real estate market is so poised for the next several years in lieu of natural disaster, uh, you know, war, uh, you know, storm, any of those types of major cyclical economic events in lieu of one of those, uh, the next several years are going to be an insanely healthy real estate market. So kind of, you know, continuous transition in terms of talking about this. Um, when we do talk about real estate from a local level, I think one thing that also gets missed, um, you hear me say Florida. And in reality, the Florida real estate market is even too vague. The Tampa yes. real estate market is too vague. Truly, it drills down into zip codes and neighborhoods. Yes. You can have parts of Tampa Bay doing incredibly well with, you know, gobs of buyers, no inventory. And then you can still have neighbor, neighboring areas where they just happen to have a lot of these, you know, uh, eviction moratorium properties. And then maybe that neighborhood sees a, a setback. So I don't want to say that like no one 
will have a negative impact from the eviction moratorium because real estate is so local. Are there neighborhoods that are maybe very dominantly occupied by tenants? Yes. And in some of those neighborhoods, could it be more impactful, including in Tampa Bay? Yes. And, and, and it's why real estate is so local. It really matters. What's going on on the few blocks around your house? Outside of that, there are things happening in your town that won't impact your value, but might impact a, a neighboring area or neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, people miss that all the time. Well, houses in New Tampa are rising like crazy. So the house in Newport Ritchie is going to rise too. No, it just doesn't work that way. It's like two different asset classes. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, and, and you get that all throughout Tampa Bay where you talk about it may be the age of the homes that were built when they were built. If you take a Seminole Heights versus now, you know, Brandon, Valrique, all the areas that are much newer homes. I mean, you'll see totally different neighborhoods and and different. Um, so it is, you know, you're dead on that Florida's too vague. Even, you know, Tampa Bay's too vague. You got to really drill down. Well, and, and so like on that same token, the, here's the easiest way that I can describe it. People will say, real estate's crazy. Real estate values are rising. And, and, and there's some validity to that, but it can't be applied universally. And that's why I'm talking about different neighborhoods, different price points. They're different asset classes, but within the same asset group, it's, it would be comparable to saying Chevy stock is skyrocketing. So Ford stock's going to skyrocket, right? They may have, they may be in the same industry. They may be the same asset class. But, but one could be doing well and one could be doing poorly. And the same thing happens with neighborhoods, with areas. You have things like, um, you know, flood zone maps that get recalculated or higher insurance in a certain neighborhood or higher crime in a certain neighborhood that doesn't exist in another. Homeless vagrants, you know, approaching a problem. All these types of things impact real estate values that, that, that don't always get translated into the generalizations that people make when they're talking about real estate in a given area. But it, it really does drill down to your, I mean, just blocks away, something could be happening. And then in, in that neighborhood, it'd be completely different than where you're at. Yeah, I think we've all heard that kind of, you know, the proverbial other side of the tracks, and that's where that kind of comes from, right? Something that simply very short distance away, but can be the other side of the tracks, rail, whatever, can be totally a different environment than, than right around where you're at. Yep, no doubt about it. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Mike Corrigan. And uh, when we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, all of them at The Duncan Duo. We've got a really cool giveaway going on right now. If you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, we've got a signed Big Cat Andre Vasilevsky jersey. Make sure to follow us on our socials. We're going to be giving that away. Um, extra special credit. If you bought or sold a home with us and you enter the contest, you're going to get 10 a 10x on your entries so make sure to follow us on all of our socials if you want to sign big cat jersey what uh what a closeout game that he had uh to send the lightning to the semifinal. net you know so exciting this time of year we love our bolts and uh just, just so much good going on so we're gonna kind of share the love and and give away a signed andre vasilevsky jersey on our social media so again make sure you're following and enter the contest and again if you were a past client and you go to any of our social channels and you'll see the post where we're giving the jersey away. Make sure you comment and say that you're a past client and you'll get 10 times the number of entries into the contest uh, as another person would enter. So we're, we're giving you some extra recognition for having worked with us in the past. And uh, cool. hopefully, hopefully somebody that bought or sold a home with us will be the, uh, the winner of the signed 
uh, Vasilevsky jersey. So anyway, we're going to continue this conversation. Um, we're going to keep talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market and everything going on in Tampa Bay after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show. Andrew Duncan with um, the Duncan Duo team, Mike Corrigan, Cross Country Mortgage, talking about refinancing. And um, obviously this year has been a, a unique financial year where refinancing has made sense for a lot of people and then not made sense for people. But what I want to talk about now is whether you should refinance with the same mortgage lender that your loan is with. Now, there are pros and cons to each. Um, and, and, and Mike, you know, I, I think it's always good to have a second opinion and measure the deal. A lot of people will say, oh, well, my, you know, I don't need to jump through a bunch of hoops and my current lender will lower my rate a half point. But if they were to talk to a second lender, it could be a full point. You know, it, a lot of it really boils down to the math, right? Yep, absolutely. And you always should, you know, it's good to get a second opinion and look around for the best deal that's going to be from you. Sometimes people confuse that with always what is going to be the absolute lowest rate. And especially now with refinances, that's not always, um, you know, the best thing is to, to just focus on the lowest rate. Of course, rates extremely important and having a low competitive rate is important there. But for instance, if you're looking to get cash out, if you have a certain time frame you're trying to get done, you're looking at a term reduction, et cetera, there's more to it than just the, just the interest rate. So you really want to compare, and all lenders are required to provide a loan estimate of everything. Now, you really want to compare apples to apples and not just look at kind of that headline number of, uh, of what the interest rate is going to be. Well, yeah, and it, and it's kind of like one of the advertising gimmicks that's out there right now. Yes. We'll pay all your closing costs, right? And and yep. so, um, look, the the thing that I want to tell you is, yes, they will pay all your closing costs, but but where are you paying for that at? Right. Yeah, and you're you paying know, for and the interest rate. Right? You're yes. paying for it with a higher interest rate. So so you have to measure that. Look at the cash you have on hand. How quickly will you reimburse your cash with the savings? Um, you know, how long do you plan to live in the home? There's so many variables that come into it. It's not just about not paying closing costs. It's, you know, balancing the rate, the payback on the savings in costs or the increase in costs. Um, all those things come to play. A, a really good mortgage lender that's not just trying to hit you with some sort of gimmick, but but will look at all of your options for you. We'll explain, hey, look, here's the pros and cons of not having any closing costs. And here's what you save versus how long it'll take you. Like, so there's all this, it, really what it boils down to is some pretty elaborate math, right? Yes, and it, yeah, and breaking it down and what's gonna do. And that's why, you know, it's important to talk to somebody who really has your best interests at heart and really gets to understand what you're looking to accomplish. Because depending on what your goals are and your plans are, and not just for, you know, today and tomorrow, but three, five, 10 years down the road, you, they may structure, we would structure a loan maybe differently than if you say, hey, you're, I plan on selling in the next two years versus this is my forever home and I don't plan on ever going anywhere ever again. And while obviously there's no guarantees in life, you know, you do kind of have a plan. A lot of people are thinking, oh, this is, you know, I'm only going to be here a couple of years and I plan to move or, or like I said, it, it could be a forever home. And so those loans can look really, really different and can benefit you in different ways. And so it's important to, um, you know, really talk to someone that's going to walk you through all of that. And I think the the other side of it is um, a local person. This sure. is this is where so many people make the mistake. Um, yes. They go onto a website, and I won't name the website because I don't want a, a lawyer letter. Um, but they go onto a website and they enter their information, and you know the whole goal is to try and save themselves money. But the problem is, is that non-local person doesn't really have any vested interest in the future of that client. It's very transactional. So yes. you know their whole goal is. 
you know, kind of they're a mill, you know, and, and so they don't know local trends. They miss things. There's no connection. And truthfully, a lot of times that big marketing machine to generate all of the uh, inquiries for the, the loans costs money. And who pays for that? The, the consumer does. I, I mean, so, so the reality is a lot of times a local lender like you guys, for example, can sit down with someone and beat anything that they're going to get online, have a smoother local process with someone accountable to results and save the person more money. Yeah, for, for sure. And it, 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 you're exactly right. And, you know, it's, we can be a big national company, but still give you the local presence, right, with our branches locally yep. right here in Tampa and downtown St. Pete and um, be able to offer that to you. And I often say to people and I say to my team all the time, right, you know, part of we have to make sure we do a great job because, you know what, we may see that person in Publix on Sunday, right, grocery shopping. I mean, you're going to see those people. I mean, we work and live in the community, right? Hopefully we'll see you at a lightning game or, you know, we're going to see you across yep. town. So we live here here too, right? And so it's it's important for us to to make sure we do a really really good job because we know we're helping our own community. So the and I think that 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 has a lot of weight. People don't realize the value yeah. that that has and and so we're going to continue this conversation um you know what we're going to talk about next. So make sure to catch, stay with us on the other side. We're going to talk about the impact of COVID and work from home, what that's going to mean to real estate, what it's going to mean to migration of people what it's gonna to mean to the growth of suburbs, what's gonna happen with home construction and, and changes there. We're gonna kind of really dig into um, everything that's gonna change with real estate as it relates to stuff that's happened from COVID and working from home. But make sure again, if you're not following us on socials, uh, at the Duncan Duo, we're giving away a signed Andre Vasilevsky jersey. Also, past clients, we still have the giveaway. If you bought or sold a home with us, send us a message on one of our social channels. We're sending you to free uh, tickets to the Fast and Furious, the Fast Saga, Fast and Furious 9 movie that's coming out in a couple of weeks. But we'll be back on the other side. And again, we're going to talk about all of the impacts, the long-term ramifications of COVID on real estate after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show. And, you know, I teased this before the break. Um, the the real estate market is going to be forever changed because of COVID. It's, it's just the reality of, of what happened. Um, you, th there are a myriad of things that are going to make real estate change forever. But I want to start first with the work from home thing. Now, there are major company CEOs this week that have made announcements for large percentages of their workforce to continue to be able to work from home. And when that happens and when that continues, it is going to keep moving forward some changes that have already been underway with what builders build and where they build. The first thing that I want to talk about is how it's going to change home design. If the majority of people are working from home, um, it becomes brutally important for the home office setup to be as effective as the work office setup, meaning a private space, good, to, great technology, um, you know, a, a layout that allows the work to happen while the home distractions are out of the way. Um, you know, the, all of these things come into play and builders are already recognizing it. And if we continue to see this drastic number of people be able to work from home, um, I think you start to wonder if home size increases, number one, because now instead of going into the office, they need at least a couple hundred more square feet of space to work from that they don't want to have be part of the rest of their home. I think it changes, uh, it changes that dramatically. I think it changes the technology in the home. Um, I, I think it changes... Uh, people's perceptions about, um, you know, you know, like, for example, uh, 
if you work from home, I think a lot of people, I'll give an example myself. Um, if you work from home during the week, okay, you don't want to spend the weekend at home, right? right. And, and so I think it'll prompt more spending from people going out on the weekends because they're getting away from quote unquote, the office, AKA the house. When you work from an office, sometimes you're perfectly comfortable chilling at your house for the weekend because you're not tired of it. Um, but, but I do think it'll prompt more entertainment spending, more dining out. Um, I think it'll prompt, uh, changes in home design with, with the home office, with technology, with where kids rooms are with, um, you know, in some instances, Again, depending on how long this is around, it could change household creation. Could people that now have to work from home don't, not have kids because they don't, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of psychological things that are going to trickle down and impact from COVID. Um, does that make sense to you, Mike? Yeah, it does. And one thing I was going to add to that is too is what the makeup of inside the the physical structure of the home. You know, for a long time the wide open concept was was there. Yeah, yeah, that's all changing. over the place. And now, especially if it's going to stay permanent, I know we talked about it last year. As a lot of people were looking at like burying off rooms now because all of a sudden if they're going to work from home, you know, they don't want to be in the wide open great room where everybody could hear them while they're working and whatnot. And so you may see them start, you know, constructing homes that are a little bit different, putting up different walls and having smaller sized rooms, even though the, the total space may be bigger. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So the, the other thing I think that comes into play when you're talking about the, uh, like you said, the design and the, the openness of, of the floor plan. Um, I also think, and the, the, you know, people are going to say this is kind of surprising, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see less people want pools. Um, pools are like the weekend thing to keep you at the house. And if you have to work from home all week, you want to get out of the house on the weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a reduction in outdoor living design and outdoor pools as people decide to get out of the house. If they're going to be there all week, they don't want to spend more time at home on the weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a decrease in the number of homes that have or create pools for their, uh, you know, for their outdoor environment. Yeah, and I, I don't know how many people I've talked to over the course of the last 30, 60, 90 days as we've opened up that have just, they're out, you see them out and they're just like, I couldn't wait to get out of my house. Yeah. I couldn't wait yeah. to go out to dinner or to go have a drink or go to, you know, even the yep. movie theaters or back to the mall. Um, I mean, they're just, they, they just couldn't wait to get up. And I agree that that will continue, especially if you're going to be on a permanent basis spending time at home. You're right. People are going to want to get out of their houses. And I think you're going to see, you know, continue to see that. Yeah, no doubt. Here, here's one other, you know, the, the next topic that I want to talk about as it relates to COVID um, and, and home design, um, you know, it, it, it deals with multiple people working from home. Um, you know, again, you've got two people working from home. Is that going to cause problems in marriages? Is that going to cause, pro I mean, there, there's so many things that we don't realize psychologically and socially will impact us from all of these changes. Yes. You know, now you've got two people that are used to going into the office and kind of having their freedom. And, and if their employers send them home to work and make it more of a permanent thing, uh, is them spending too much time with each other going to cause problems on the home front? And so I think there's no question that, 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 that trickles down and, and has impact, um, and how, spouses, entrepreneurs, more than one person working from home at a time can navigate through that is going to be something that that is is a major societal impact over the next several years. 
Yeah, I can tell you I've experienced that personally, right? My wife's back in school and doing schoolwork a lot from home. And at times when I was working at home and, you know, whether it's one of us had to be on a Zoom call or something else, it can be distracting to that if you don't have separate places to go yep. um, to be able to do so. And I think if it, that's going to become more permanent of nature, um, you know, then, yeah, people are going to it's, it's going to change the way the way homes are. So let's talk next also about location. So, look, the past is gone. More people working from home. What does that mean about where people choose to live? So first and foremost, I think in most major cities across the U.S., the majority of the jobs and the workplace environments are in centralized areas, which means people want to shorter commutes and want to live closer to those areas because they want to drive less. Well, as we move into this environment where your employment location is your home, I think you can, and, and again, COVID brought this, politics brought this. There's a lot of reasons why suburbia is growing, but I think you're going to see more and more people move to suburban and rural areas because they can, they don't need to commute into the city as much. They don't need to, they don't need to commute to a downtown. They can work from their home. They can order food for food and groceries for delivery. They don't need to be as close to places anymore. I think our population over the next several years is going to spread out more. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I I mean, it just makes sense, right? A lot of people say, you know, if I if I didn't have to be so close to work, I would live here or live there or whatever, and they can go out and get more of that. And, you know, a lot of times out in the suburbs, there's more space, yeah. you get more room, yep. there's more opportunities to do so. And I think you're you're right. You'll see that. That's and that's a big part of it because let's face it, like if you don't have to commute in and you can live further away, you can buy more house, you can have more land, you can right. have your chickens in the backyard. <laughs> Right. You can do all of these things that you can't do if you're living in a condo in a downtown area. So yeah. the, the, you know, you can bring the chickens, you can have the goats, you can have a, I mean, you can do whatever you want, you know? And, and so I, I, I know that there is a movement for that. And I think that trend continues, especially as more and more employers say, Hey, we're good with you working from home, or we want more people working from home. And, and I don't know how long the phenomenon lasts. I don't know if it's permanent, but I do believe COVID has proved the concept for a lot of employers that it will give them savings to shed space. It will give them savings to shed labor. Um, they can probably pay less to people because the people now don't have to incur the cost of expensive commutes into the city and, and, and those types of things. So there's so many benefits for employers and so far, Workplace production in a lot of industries has not been impacted. Now, who knows how long that lasts? I, I'm a skeptic. I think at some point there will be a certain percentage of people that work less and don't work as hard because there's not someone there looking over their shoulder. But I would imagine employers weigh the pros and cons of that with the number of people where it won't change them and the savings that they get. You know, I, I do believe there will be a you know a revampment of people moving back into the office. But I think the momentum is in the favor of more home, work from home, and it's going to be a couple of years. Yeah, and I think what a lot of companies are going to do and businesses are going to do, they're going to rethink it as they do go back where they maybe they don't have a headquarters you know, in a downtown metro area, but maybe they build lots of different satellite regional centers or whatnot, even out in some of these areas on a much smaller basis that, that are going to be there. So it is a shorter commute because that's where the workers are going. Um, and again, for them, the real estate can be less than maybe in a Manhattan, you know, versus you know, that sort of thing. And I think you may start seeing that that companies start spreading out um, on, on where they have their employees instead of having one massive site. And here's the last part of the long-term impact of real estate on COVID as it relates to home construction. We talked a lot about the office. However, um, in Florida, we were fortunate that we uh, we weren't quarantine happy here. Um, right. So that was kind of nice. Um, 
you know, we, we, a little bit more freedom uh, in the sunshine state than in other areas, but nonetheless, it's an overreaching thing that's going to impact and concern people for a long time as they move forward with real estate purchases and needs. And here it is, they're going to want to build a home and live in a home that provides them the opportunity and flexibility to enjoy themselves if we have another pandemic and they're stuck at home. So every person that's buying or building a home that still feels that pain point of being cooped up in too much space, not having outdoor area to exercise when quarantines happen, or um, not having a fitness area, not you know, all these types of things are going to be things that are going to impact people and have them think in the back of their mind, I want to make sure that if that happens again, I'm in a better place. Yep, absolutely. So whether that's more garage space, whether that's fitness area, home office, you know, whatever the design of the home is, better ability to cook and store food. Um, you know, I think our society, even like when the gas stuff happened, our society goes from normal to the, <laughs> to the zombie apocalypse in like 19 seconds, right? Like, oh, there's a gas shortage, even though it's not going to impact Tampa. So what does everybody do? Everyone goes and fills up and panic buys. And then there's a gas shortage for two or three days because yeah. they freak out, right? So that freaking out is going to happen at, for time. So people are going to kind of freak out with the purchase of their home and they're going to, they're going to envision some of the fears that they had with the worst case scenarios of COVID. And they're going to make home purchasing decisions based on some of those pain points and things that they had to, uh, you know, to endure. So, uh, so nonetheless, look, it's, it's been a challenging real estate year. It's been a very uh, amazingly successful real estate year, but it's going to have a long-term impact all of these things related to COVID are going to have a very long-term impact on you know people's buying decisions buying location home design and all of this so just be prepared for it and, and adapt so um, we're going to be back with our last segment we're going to continue our conversation talking about the tampa bay real estate market here on the duncan duo show so we're back here on the duncan duo show talking about the tampa bay real estate market and it is a very challenging real estate market for first-time home buyers yes um record population growth but also a lot of first-time home buyers that are tired of renting that covid rocked their world and they're ready to be an owner so we got some tips here. Are you tired of making your landlord rich and wasting money on rent? Uh, first time home buyer can be daunting right now. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. First and foremost, you've got to budget wisely. Um, save up and budget, have money prepared, have a down payment, have a game plan. Uh, way too many people decide that they're going to buy a house and then they don't do any of the financial homework and find out that they can't buy what they thought they could or they're self-employed and their income won't qualify or they have credit issues. Before you ever look at houses, you got to sit down and do the financial homework, right, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I always start by by talking to your mortgage professional, seeing where you're at. Even if you you think you know, you know, you're in good shape or the amount of money you have or whatnot, it's always a good, even if it's months out, to sit down and kind of see where you're at to begin with kind of a baseline, right? To of where you're starting. If there are things to do, it's better to know earlier than wait until you're, you know, ready to go buy next month. And then, you know, you may have more, you know, work you need to do or more money you need to save you know, et cetera, et cetera. So to make sure it should always be the first step. The the next part to me, obviously getting the mortgage professional involved, getting your approval, getting your finances in row, understanding what that looks like. You know, I think everybody starts the home search online, you know, look at properties before you, in my opinion, before you talk to a real estate agent, 
Okay. Go out, drive neighborhoods, make commutes back and forth to where you work. Or if you're going to work from home, that's irrelevant, but see what's around the home. Cause it's not just the house you're buying. It's the neighborhood. It's everything around there. It's the restaurants. It's, is there a Starbucks? It's, is there a Chick-fil-A? Because if there's not, I don't want to live there, but the reality is that you've got to figure out all those things that are nearby and make sure that you're comfortable with that. And then obviously the house too, but get out and drive around, do set some searches up online, kind of get an understanding of how quickly homes are selling, see uh, how quickly they go under contract. Um, you know, before you look at a real estate agent, do some, do a little bit of research and due diligence yourself and kind of get yourself prepared to know what's going on with the market. The next thing that I think is important is, is obviously hiring you know, a great real estate agent, someone you're comfortable with, someone that you feel like is responsive and that you can relate to, someone that's got a great reputation has to be full time. Can I repeat that? I could repeat that all day long. <laughs> Here's what's going to happen if you're working with a part-timer. They got a job during the day. Hot house hits the market. They can't get you in. Hot house yeah. goes under contract. It gets 19 offers on it before he gets off work to be able to show you a house. It's too late. You missed out. He can't get back to your mortgage professional quick enough. Your prequal takes two days instead of one because he's got another gig. I'm telling you, time is of the essence right now. Experience matters in terms of getting your home offer accepted. If they are part-time, they, they don't have the experience and the number of deals to navigate through to get offers accepted. They don't know the trip tricks of the trade. They don't have enough experience. It's kind of like saying, you know what? There's a guy that plays down the street at the local high school, and I'm going to have him start for the Lakers tonight. Like that's ultimately what you're doing. You can't, you know, you, you can't, you know, jump right into it and, and be great at it. You right. Know? And so, a lot so. of, and I think a lot of people out there, a lot of consumers out there think it's the opposite of that because the market's so hot, it's so easy to buy it or it's so right. easy to sell. And, and, and yeah, so that they don't, not. they they can use their uncle's brother's, you know, cousin to be the real estate agent that does one deal every two years. Right. But more so now than ever. And we talk to real estate agents every single day, you and your team, obviously, you know, we're seeing real estate agents even have frustration dealing with these, uh, these real estate agents that are part-time. Yeah. And so they're, you know, you want to be with a solid reputation. Uh, real estate agent when you're putting your offer in to have it out there because you know you may have a better chance of getting accepted if they know it's coming from the Dunkin' Do or somebody else that's well respected has lots of views well yeah in the and so so I'll give you a good example I'll summarize it but first I'll say also be ready to compromise first time home buyers you're not gonna get everything you want you're gonna right. have to make a ton of offers you're gonna have to get really creative you're gonna need somebody to get really creative and guess what really hard for somebody that's got another job to get creative for you because they're too busy doing other things and not focused on you but you got to compromise you got to be flexible but I'll give you one good example why working with like a large large agency or someone that's full-time makes a difference um, not long ago uh, I had someone who was buying a home in Lutz, a very high-end home that had multiple offers. And we list and sell a lot of homes. We're very well advertised. I called the agent and said, um, I know that you have multiple offers. Um, tell me where we need to be. And then you have my cell phone number the next time you make an offer on one of my listings. And even though there's no promise of that, the fact that that leverage is there when there's a lot of business being done by somebody, it gives that buyer an advantage that somebody that doesn't do a lot of business doesn't get. There's no promises. There's nothing illegal or anything like that. It's simply a hint like, hey, look, you're you're going to scratch my back. I, I may be able to help you out in the future when you make an offer on one of my listings that's got 50 offers on it. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to, uh, you know, to navigate that? 
uh, again, honoring our clients' wishes and making sure to fully disclose that. But but nonetheless, doing a lot of business matters. It makes a difference. It gets deals done that otherwise wouldn't get done by part-time agents. So hopefully those first-time home buyer tips were helpful. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Dubo. Keep rooting for our Tampa Bay Lightning to go all the way to the Stanley Cup and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.